people will go with uh, <laughs> the Gregorian calendar. So, and God respects that, right? Because we're not Jews. Right? The Jews celebrated their new year in September, right? The Chinese will be celebrating their new year in January. So, we... We should always take this time of the month to always, please play for me, eh? thanks for to always reflect, reflect on the year, the activities of the year, both on the natural side and also on God's side. And that would give the Spirit of God, if you do that, because I do it normally at this part of the year. In fact, from October right throughout, I use that time to reflect much before the Lord. And if, if you do that, the Spirit of God would have an opportunity to communicate to you the things that you might have missed uh, many of his instructions to you, the enlightenment, the growth and the progress that you have made. You see, your progress has to have a metric. It has to have, it has to have a measure, a measurement uh, criteria for you to track it. Without it, you can't. You, you won't know whether or not you have made progress without that metric for progress. And I don't know how you live your life, but I always measure my progress, my success on the basis of what I have done that the Lord has instructed me to do and how much of his word throughout that particular year have I followed through and all years are different and growth spiritual growth is determined largely by how much of that we observe and it's important it's important you know while people are on a celebrity mood it's important for you to be sober-minded because the Lord is always progressive. His, his plan, His purposes, His spirit is always progressive. When you, you, in God, you'll die if you don't grow. And God doesn't measure growth the same way that you might measure growth or the world outside might measure growth because with human beings we always make judgments based on the external things right and if if those externals are not visible or evident we suppose oh maybe i fail but that's not how god measures growth because remember the word has to build you the word has to prevail in your life and it takes time 
It takes time. You know, like the scripture says, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So and it will never prevail until it grows. So God is more interested in the growth, in the dominion of his word over your life more than any other thing that might happen externally. And it is during these moments of reflection that you are able to, to see, to introspect. You know, like the Bible says, test yourself to see whether or not you still be the faith. To see where are you positionally and growth-wise in your development in God and in the strength, the power of the Word of God in your life. It's important. It's important. You should never in your life pursue or live your life in a way that does not reflect the counsel of God, the wisdom of God. So you reflect. And like the Bible says, as in water, face is reflected back to you. It says, so is the heart of man, determinative of who he is. And as you reflect like that, the Spirit of God ministers to you. And he tells you, okay, this year, I want you to focus on this. I want you to focus on this. Do this. See, many people think God, when God instructs, God does not overwhelm you with instructions. God may ask you to do one thing, and that will be determinative of your success or failure. That's God. If God asks you to do one thing, and many times that's all he asks, he asks you, do one thing. Focus on this. But because we humans do not, have not yet developed the tenacity or the courage to follow God, we'll take it and then we will have additions. No, I will do this, I will do this. No, and God said, focus on this. I remember there was a year the Lord said to me, this year, I want you to focus solely on my word. Give my word priority. In that year, it didn't matter whether or not I prayed long hours. The instruction, the goal was to focus solely on his word. And it changes every single year. It changes with time, depending on what the Lord sees fit for your needs spiritually at that particular season in your life. So moments of reflection like this in God's presence is vital. Moments of isolation where you reflect and think and look at your mistakes, look at your successes, look at your failures, look at your victories and overcomings. And then you tell them. And the Spirit of God begins to minister to you. The Spirit of God begins to minister to you. My goal as a leader and is something that has evolved and cemented in me throughout this year that I realized that the most important thing to give God's people is the substance to carry God's voice, the capacity to have God's voice. Because ultimately, the Bible says there are many voices in the world. 
and all of them are not without significance. All of them beg for your attention. And in a world where so many voices seek to drown out God's voice, we, we must be single-minded in our pursuit of protecting that sphere, of protecting that place. Today I want to share with you, along the lines of our series, but in a, in a more detailed fashion, something that I believe can, can transform your outlook, can transform your view on, on God, on His Word, and on your life. One thing I realize is that our struggle as Christians is the failure to reconcile how in the world will God do what he said. If that, that is our struggle, that is the struggle of our faith. To really, because here's the thing, it, doubt always creeps in when understanding is absent so many of us we, we we fail the failure to reconcile because number one the concept of god is not yet cemented in our spirits so even though we know he's god but there's there are elements that that you know like what the bible says he was justified with the spirit there are elements in our hearts that require god to justify his person to us right because many of us have not seen more of God in our lives to really deduce the patterns and also the outcome consequences of his word so we struggle we fight within ourselves we hurt God yes yes I want to believe in his integrity i want to believe in his faithfulness but how same same question mary asked the angel same question zechariah asked the angel and you may ask why didn't the angel close the mouth of mary because mary asked the same question that zechariah asked zechariah said no how how can this be my wife is buried now you are promising me at our own age at a time where we are already important, we are past the age of bearing. How will this thing happen? It was a struggle. And many of us, we may read the story and think that God was full of doubt. But that's how we act. 99% of our time. How? Same thing, Mary, Mary, Mary is asking, my God, how in the world? I have, I have not known any man. I'm not even married to this man yet. For me to even consider having any marital uh, intercourse with him. And the angel said, no. The power, the power of the Almighty shall overshadow you. And that holy thing. And you know, the, the difference with Mary is that on account of the encounter, on account of the experience, 
she accepted whatever the angel was saying. The experience validated. The experience vilified what the angel was saying. And in our lives, the word of God may not come in such particular terms. May never come in such particular ways. But our response should be as it was with Mary. But the question of how is what plagues our faith. How? 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 We are human beings. You must understand we have, been, we have, not, we have not been reared in the order of the gods. We have not been reared in the order of the divine. Even though we have come into a divine order, that's not how we have been programmed. That's not how we grew up. We have been raised as fallen men. So concepts of fulfillment, concepts of, of, of the materialization of God's word are, are, are alien to us. Even though we are in this divine kingdom. How? How in the world can this thing happen? Throughout the year, I shared with you some ideas and concepts that I, you know, when I look back, I realize I would not blame anyone if they would not grasp them or they could not grasp them. Like I said, I don't believe that you have to work for God to provide for you. That's a concept that's it's too difficult to accept, too difficult to grasp because everywhere you've looked, People have suffered for not working. <laughs> and that's what the Spirit pressed in me this year. To try as much as possible to show the way of the Spirit. To show it. To show it. When God appeared to me, the Spirit of God encountered me in 2010. I was not yet serving in any ministerial capacity in, in the church. But he said to me, my grace is upon you. And I've anointed you and ordained you as an apostle to the nations to go and teach my people the way of my spirit and how to live in the spirit. Because many have lost the essence of living in the Spirit. God is concerned. Living in the Spirit doesn't mean your... <laughs> it, it, it has to do with the activities, the knowledge of the activities of your Spirit in God. Years ago, that's where the doctrine of dual location or dual citizenship was, was birthed. That you can live on earth and be in heaven. And Jesus said so. Jesus said, no man has seen the Father except the Son who is in the bosom of the Father. And we have all been called to that heritage. The Bible says we have been called to 
inherit his kingdom and glory. But the problem, the problem that plagues us is how. Is how. The greatest mathematicians, the greatest scientific minds cannot discover this simple yet complex truth. How he materializes his world. And for us to really understand that we must think not in terms of man, but in terms of God. And that's what God has been trying to do throughout the ages. To bring us to think like him. To think as he thinks. That's one of the reasons why the Bible says he has given us the mind of Christ. To perceive, to analyze as he does. To have a mind with God. And notice, you don't get to think like God until you possess the substance of his thoughts, which is Logos. Which is Logos. The word of God is the substance of all God's thoughts. Oh, every, you know, that's one of the reasons why Jesus said, I will speak to them in parables, revealing mysteries that are kept hidden from the foundations of the earth. He says, he says parables are actually the mysteries that have been kept hidden from the foundation of the earth. When you read the parables of Jesus, they are simple. They are simple. Yet Jesus said, these parables reveal things kept hidden from the foundations of the earth. Says they know not, neither do they understand. And the entire aeons are unstable. They grope in the dark. Brothers and sisters, there is hope for us. You know, one of the reasons why I am so appreciative of of the Holy Spirit in our lives is because these are things that He is here to make us understand. These are things that He's here to make us know. When we have we have let go of false ideas, false ideologies, we will be ready to pick up the mantle of, of truth. The mantles of revelation. I told you last week. If you cannot conduct Christianity in an African way. You cannot conduct Christianity in a European way. For you to benefit. Or to become a benefactor of the inheritance available in Christianity. You have to find out the culture resident in the kingdom. And set out your life, your entire life's pursuit to mirror that. Notice, the success of Moses was based on one thing. 
You know what it was? That he should build according to the exact image, the exact pattern of what was shown him. So if, if he had built, if he had made the lampstand a few millimeters bigger than what he had seen, he would have failed. The presence would not come. And so God did not leave that to human calculations. That's why the Bible says he poured his spirit upon Bezalel. So whatever he did, he had to do. I mean, Bezalel was not there. When God was showing Moses, he was not there. How did he know to, to the exact degree fashion the furniture of the tabernacle? The pieces of the priest. How? It had to be by the Spirit. He couldn't, he, there was no time for him to go learn in university. It had to be by the Spirit. That's where the Spirit's presence in our lives becomes invaluable. Because he can teach you what would take you a hundred years to learn without him. And he, listen, he doesn't teach you in this. Oh my Lord. The, you know, the Spirit doesn't teach you in the classroom. He teaches you in the field. Do you understand? If, if he's going to teach you about, about prophesying, He's not going to teach you about prophesying uh, in the, you know, by you reading about Daniel's prophecies. No, you're going to have to prophesy. If he's going to teach you prayer, he's not going to give you books. He's going to send you to the closet. David had no, had no career in military warfare. He annihilated Goliath. Without any previous career in military warfare. But yet training in the mountains of Bethlehem. With the lions and the bear. Is it the same strategy used to annihilate, to deal with the lions and the bear was the same. It says in the name of the Lord. He knew that defeating Goliath was no different than destroying the lions and the bear. <laughs> that's 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 the invaluable invaluable. That's what the invaluable presence of the Spirit gives you. Gives you experiences in the thing that God intends for you to accomplish. Last night while I was praying, you know, one day T.L. Osborne said, he was talking to 
an auditorium full of graduates. And he said to them, God talks to the man who cares. He says, if you will care enough, God will talk to you. Many times, we just don't care. We really, we just, we just don't, we don't give a damn. We don't, we don't care. We don't, we don't care. Even, 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 even about our own lives. We just, we just, we just don't care. If we cared enough, there are certain things we wouldn't do. Certain things we wouldn't participate in. And certain things we would do. I mean, if you cared about your life, you'd be praying every day. If you really cared about your life, about your future, you'd be, you, you'd be on your knees as much time as you can get. But we don't do that. We, don't, we just don't care. No, 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 Pastor, I care. You care? When was the last time you spent four hours, five hours with God alone? Mm. You see? So the Spirit of God spoke to me and He gave me a word about the nations and their plans. And I want to give out that word. For the sake of austerity. They will not prevail, says the Lord. The thing the rulers of this world have sought to carry out will fail. I will frustrate their plans, says the Lord. When I remove from the scene their key men, in one hour so much will take place that will shock, that will shock the globalist agenda. I will cut the head of the snake, the Lord says. I will move swiftly. Because they've declared war against me. And as the judge of the whole earth, I will rise from my dwelling and come down as I did for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to see if the thing that they have purposed to do is sure. Watch for the signs in the heavens, says the Lord, for they shall signal the judge's arrival on the nations of the earth. I'll put a hold on their plan through alarming moments of delusion and confusion. Their tongues will slip, even on live television, during their conferences. I will turn their wisdom into folly, just as I did the wisdom of Ahitophel. They will fall into their own snares. It shall not happen, says the Lord. They shall not prevail. Watch in 2021, when George Soros falls. So, the, the night, two nights before, I was just, I just finished praying and I was just meditating. And the Lord showed me an event that would take place in 2021. It was like a conference, all right? And it was, and I perceived that that had to do with the Davos uh, World, Health, World Economic Forum conference. And as I perceived, I saw some complications that... 
abruptly ended that conference. And I think it has to do with this particular thing that the Lord said. He says, they will fall into their own snares. They shall not prevail. Watch in 2021 when George Soros falls. Falls either through death or I don't know. Right? But I think it's death. What else could it be? Highly embarrassing moments for Bill Gates. And a lot of damage control will need to be done. Do not count Trump out yet, says the Lord. For my grace is still upon him. Pray, for these things shall surely take place. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, let's not dwell much on that. Just needed to say what the Lord said as posterity. Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. <sighs> yeah. Hallelujah. Being introduced to the prophetic ministry has taught me so much on how the Lord uses his word to advance and establish his purposes. It's amazing. And I, I want to share, like I said, a little bit on this to give you understanding, even for your own lives, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Today, not verse 2. And not verse 3. Ah, verse 3. But verse 1, right? Um, you there? That's you, please. Stop. Um, let's read the different versions, okay? Uh, let, where should we start? Let's read Tyndale, verse 1. When God began creating the heavens and the earth. So the focus there is taking into verse 2, which is not really correct. Verse 1. Okay, we'll end with Amplified. Um, NIV. Let me read NIV. Where's NIV? Or should I just read it? Let me read NIV. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Still carrying the same tone. All right, no problem. Um, okay. Let me get my Bible arsenal here. Darby translation. Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's still the same. And I like uh, basic Bible in basic English. At, at first, God, you know, at first, this, this one is actually the closest communication of the word beginning. When he says, at first, God made the heaven and the earth. When he said made, he goes off there a little bit. All right? I can't read Hebrew. Uh, ESV. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, still saying the same thing. Uh, Weymouth translation, still the same. Wycliffe, still the same. American Standard, oh, still the same. Okay, amplified. Amplified. So basically, every translation is saying something similar to each other, right? But amplified adds a little bit more detail. Okay? So this is the newest version of the amplified. Who has the oldest version of amplified? Who has amplified here? Yes, classic. You have classic? You have classic? Read verse 1 for me. In the beginning, God yeah, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. Of the deep. Thank you. Thank you. Now this is the newer version, right? Twenty sixteen. In the beginning, God, Elohim. Now, this puts a spin on that particular verse and you may ask what spin because when you hear God you are all, always thinking in singular in singular personality right in the beginning God oh God that means he's one right so we, we when, when we think God we're always thinking in a singular form, God as an individual. But the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because the Amplify saying Elohim, actually that's the word that's used there in Genesis for God. God has many names, right? And the names of God are a revelation of himself. Remember, God's names reveal him, all right? So if you want to know more about God, you study his names, right? And they will reveal to you certain aspects of his attributes. Follow? So in Genesis, the Bible doesn't say in the beginning Yahweh. Or in the beginning Adonai. Or in the beginning El. Or El Elyon. No, the Bible says in the beginning Elohim. Now Elohim is is much more different than all the other names of God because all the other names of God refer to him in the singular fashion. Like what he says in Deuteronomy, the Lord our God is one. Right? The Lord, Yahweh, our God, El, is one. He doesn't say in, Revel I mean, in Deuteronomy, he doesn't use the word Elohim, he uses the word El. So Yahweh, our L is one. L refers to as the God who is self-existing. The Almighty. You follow? But now, they use not only L, but Elohim. Now, it puts a spin to everything because Elohim refers to the plurality of God. Not God as one, but as God's. Do you understand? It removes the singular form of God and presents the plurality of God. 
So really, Elohim there actually means the gods. So when, he, when you read Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, Elohim. So the Amplified gets it right there. So in the beginning, Elohim. In the beginning, the gods. So it's not just God in his singular form, but the gods. And that is the theme that carries out throughout the book of Genesis chapter 1. So every time you hear God is Elohim. God is Elohim. So there is the involvement of the gods in creation. Now, the plurality of God does not mean that they are separated in any, any way in their, or they act in isolation. They are actually communicating the unity, the oneness of the Godship or the Godhead. So he says, in the beginning, the gods. Who are these gods? <laughs> Who are these gods? There are actually nine. And not three. So when he's referring to the gods here, he's referring to nine gods and not three. So there, is, there was a whole pantheon of gods in the creation of the heavens and the earth. Now their nature obviously is what? Spirit. Alright? Their nature is spirit. Their nature is spirit. And these gods are going... Oh, let's backtrack. So Elohim, I said, refers to God in his plu in plural flo uh, forms, right? So let's get it. Is God the Father, God the... And the seven spirits of God. Remember, he's referring to Elohim. So you cannot singularize the Holy Spirit in, in Elohim. Do you understand that? You cannot say the Holy Spirit. No. Because if you say the Holy Spirit, we might just well say God. But he's referring to the Father as Elohim, the Son as Elohim, the seven spirits as Elohim. Because now, what Elohim does is that he separates all of them. Even though they are one, they are separated. So you got God, the All Father. You got the Word. And you got the seven, so there are nine all in all. Amen? Why? Because when we go to the conclusion of the book of the Logos, the Spirit is always in seven forms. You follow? You follow? So, so in the beginning, Elohim, Elohim, the gods, 
created the heavens and the earth. Not earth, earth. Not earth, earth. So from, from, from the Bible you can see that the heavens and the earth are the central focus of the universe. Not other bodies. Paganism is what has magnified the other celestial bodies in blaspheme of Elohim. Now you see. So, they were in partnership. You understand? In the creation of the heavens and the earth. So really, the, the theme, the subject of Genesis chapter 1 is not really creation, but the creator. The focus of Genesis is not really creation, but the creator. But the partnership of the creator in creating. Because him creating tells us he's a creator. And this is a title only given to God. Only God is creator. Only God is creator. Only Elohim is creator. You understand it? That means the Father without the Word cannot create. The Father without the Spirit cannot create. The Spirit without the Word cannot create. The Word without the Spirit cannot create. The Word without the Father cannot create. So, the, the Elo, the, there's a reason. That's the reason why he gives us the word Elohim. To show us their dependency on one another. So, the central focus in the creation process of God is the study of Elohim. How the word co corresponds or co-partners with the Spirit and the Father in creation. Because it is that partnership that brought forth creation. The partner, notice, the partnership of Elohim brought forth creation. So for anything to be really created, Elohim must be present. He says there are three, and these three are one. The Father, the Word, the Spirit. Says they are one. They, they do not agree as one. They are one. So a thorough study of the operation of Elohim will give us insight to really how, how God gets to create. Because the word that he uses for create is bara. And throughout the Bible, it is only, it is only linked, that word, it is only linked to God. Because bara means to bring forth or to create something out of nothing. That is where the difficulty comes from amongst humans. Because we humans, we humans have learned to create from raw materials. Do you understand? But God had nothing to create except himself. He had nothing to create from except he was the material of creation 
For instance, in order for this house to be built, there needs to be, you know, cement, sand, uh, water, uh, iron, all these other wood. These come from the raw materials that already exist on earth. Now God had no raw materials. What are, what are the materials that heaven is made for? What are the materials? We know that trees make wood. What are trees made for? We know that sand is responsible for the skyscrapers on earth. What is sand made for? You study Elohim, you begin to discover. You begin to discover that really, really God's raw material was himself. So the earth, notice, the earth being a physical substance emanates from God. Spirit created what is natural, what is physical. How? How did the transmutation process of the earth come to be? Well, notice, it didn't come from anything else. It did not come from anything else. God's desire was the material. So the architecture that took place in his mind was all he needed for materialization. Earth, earth is, is, you can touch this thing. It comes from spirit. Now you understand a little bit of what Paul said when he said that which is seen was made from that which is, he was talking about spirit. He was talking about spirit. Spirit was responsible for the materialization of everything we know is physical. So whatever thing that is physical in your life that is required or that is necessitated for life, he said spirit is the source. So you must study the partnership of Elohim. Because really study Elohim and how they function within that pantheon would really give us an understanding of really how does things go from non-existent guys okay okay it's corinthians please corinthians first corinthians There are strange things in life. But God has made us inheritors. You, you, you know why such teachings feel weird. You hear them and they feel strange. They because they are spoken in an environment that is foreign to what's coming to you. So what, what's really feeling weird is not really you. Is the environment fighting what you are hearing? 
Because it is not agreeable. The struggle of man has always been environment. And you study Acts chapter 19, you see how the world deals with environmental forces. With environmental strongholds. When Paul comes into Ephesus, he's been resisted. Three years later, every, every person that was involved in witchcraft, in all these other things, they're burning their books. What destroyed is the word. Is the word. With truths like this, you can't write the environment. The environment will resist you. The, you. You can only write the environment if it's agreeable to you. Do you understand it? If the environment is agreeable to you, then you can ride its wind. And it can take you wherever. But if, if the truth you present is disagreeable and threatening to the environment, the environment will fight you. That's what the Bible says, so mightily grew the word and prevailed. Prevailed over what? Prevailed over what? Verse Corinthians. Corinthians, <laughs> praise the Lord. Chapter 1. I'll show you something. Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Notice what God uses. God doesn't attack strength with strength. <laughs> God doesn't confront wisdom with wisdom. He uses the foolishness of wisdom to confound even the wisest. They cannot understand how a man being nailed to the cross gives freedom to an entire human race. It does not make any scientific sense. How you can say you are my Lord and you are eternally saved. Do, do you understand? Not, not temporarily, not, not for a decade, not for a millennium. No, eternally saved from one confession. 
confession that you don't need to make ever again after that day. Foolishness. 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 <laughs> and the things of this world, now verse 28, and the things of the world that the and the things which are despised, God has. But when God fetched Gideon, there were others who were strong. There were others who were noble. God went to the least of the least. Gideon's clan was the least. Gideon was the least in his clan. So he was the least of the least. It says God chose him. That's how God works. Even when Gideon gathered 10,000 God said, no, we must separate because it's not by the strength of army that I will give this nation over to you. Up until only 300 were left. That's God. David is the same. He's the least in his household. God says, that's the one I chose. There is glory in being the least now 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 there's there's the alarming part and the things which do, do, do you see the degrees of comparison god starts with wisdom weakness despise all these things right then he gets to a level that we human beings have no concept of then he says, and the things which are not. He's talking about non-existent things. God says, I use non-existent things. Oh my Lord. He says, and the things which are, which are, which are, to bring to nothing the things which are already. So, oh my Lord. Now, here's what? He has went to the extremities of comparisons. You would understand when he's talking about the despise of the despised. But now he's on another class. He says, no, the things which are not. Things which don't already exist. God. He says he uses non-existent things to annihilate things or to make of nothing things which already how does he do that how does he take something that does not exist to bring to nothing something that already exists so he destroys what is by what is not how does god do that romans Romans. <laughs> Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. 
Romans 4, we there? Okay. Come now, let's go. Verse number... Are we there? Are we there? Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you I have made you a, notice, God is not saying I am going to make you. Or I am making you. He says, I have made you. I have made you. To God, that is a present and reality. I have made you. When God met Abraham, Abraham was already what God made. According to God. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. As it is written, I have made you a father of many in the presence of him whom he believed. God. 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 God who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which are those things. Oh God. Who is King James? Who is King James? King, King James. I have it. Let me read it. Pastor, why are you going to King James? Why are you leaving you King James? You see. There are gems of, of, of truth in, in every translation. So there is elements of, of, of the closest expression of that particular scripture that one translation has that another may not have. Do you understand? So when you look at some, the, the, closest, the closest thing, right? The closest thing that was ever translated to the original was the King James. Not the later iterations of the King James, but the earlier versions of the King James. Alright? King James is really the 16th Bible to be, to be translated. So, he really did a good job there. So, King James, right? Uh, New King James. I love New King James because it removes the we, why, thou, thee. 
you know king james will get you in a tongue rat sometimes so i don't like that i don't like being made to feel like i don't know something <laughs> amen now here's king james king james is perfect here clean i love him here it says as it is written i've made thee a father of many nations before whom he believed even god who quickeneth the day and call it those things which be not as though they are what communication is that did, did, we, did we not just read about we read about it right notice the language the things which be not new king james is right when he says that do not exist but we want the the original language right it says the things which be not as though they were look at god he says he calleth those things which be not be not as though they were in other words he's telling you that god does not need any material to what to fashion or create whatever he desires human beings do god does it the very action of speech is his raw material that's why in the godhead we don't have originally got the son we have got the word because what god says is the material are you following me they, they, he doesn't need to have any external what he says is the the word itself is the material so when god said let there be light the material for light the raw material for light is let there be light so god doesn't need to source material in order for light to come no whatever he has said was the material that constituted for the materialization of light so when he says to abraham i have made thee a father of men he, he was abraham but he was abraham assumed father presumed father when he met him god says i've made you a father it was now up to abraham to align himself with the source code God, he brings to nothing the things that are by the things that are not. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? So nothingness is God's resource. Do you understand? The material to bring to nothing what already is, is nothing. So there you are seeing a relationship that is taking place, a symposium between the, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. So the Father is always the one who speaks. Yet, what does the Word do? Let's read John chapter 1.
John chapter 1. Nothingness is a great resource in the hands of God. Now you understand when he says, without me you can do nothing. You, because it is nothing that destroys the something. Without me, you can, you can also say you are nothing. He is the substance that's responsible for your existence. You know what the Bible calls Jesus? The Bible calls Jesus the hypostasis of God. The substance of God. Jesus, the sub, not only the substance of God, but He is the substance in creation. He says here, by Him, He upholds all things. Look at Paul. He says, I, who am less, less of the least of all the saints. In other words, I'm the least of the least. He says, is this grace given unto me? That I might make known to the Gentiles what is the mystery of the fellowship. No man, no man had a revelation like that man of Jesus Christ. No man. He says, I was like one born out of time. <laughs> I said, I was born out of time. What we need, we'll read John chapter 1. Let's read verse 1. In the beginning was the, and the word was, and the word was, you know, I like it, but I don't like it. Let me read you the TPT, all right? In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together face to face in the very beginning. Clean, like it, but it still doesn't communicate truth. So, amplified. Let's go to Amplified. They'll still not get it. Come, Amplified. The new one. Yeah, no, classic. You, you don't have the new one. <laughs> Give me classic. <laughs> yeah, before, in the beginning, before all time, yeah? Yeah? satisfied I'm not satisfied I'm not satisfied okay let's break it down okay let's break it down together all right together I can give you the what it should read but I want us to break it down together you have your pen and paper get okay so you know I've told you about the beginning right 
Now, he says, in the beginning, he's talking about time. Is he talking about time? No, he's not talking about time. Okay, let's use, let's use this to actually define this. Let's use uh, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter number 3. See, that, that's where the problem is here. Alright? Revelation chapter. Revelation chapter 3. We there? Let's read, please. Because if he's talking about time, because it's the same word, okay, right? If he's talking about time, then there has to be consistency in the use of the word throughout the entire Bible. Right? So let's read chapter 3, verse uh, 14. Let's read, please. And to the angel of the church of the Ducians write, These things says the, and the faithful and the, let's read there. The beginning of the, okay. So what this suggests is what? Jesus is created. And he was created first. When you read it, if, if, if beginning is making reference to time, then that means that Jesus is God's first creation. Right? So Jesus is God's first creation. And that doesn't really align with John 1 1 because John 1 1 says he is God. So God cannot be a created being. Because if here's the thing: if Jesus is God's first creation, then Jesus and Satan are brothers. Now, do you agree that Jesus and Satan are brothers? You can't. They're not brothers. <laughs> Jesus is superior to Lucifer. Listen, Jesus is Lucifer. Jesus is Lucifer. He is the bright and morning star. Who is Lucifer? The bright and morning star. So if Jesus is created, then Jesus and Lucifer shared the same or shared the same rank before God. They were both brothers. And, and therefore, therefore, they are not what? They are not superior to one another but co-equal. But Jesus is not equal to Satan. Because Jesus, Jesus in his original form is God, is none, is none created. He is the one responsible for Lucifer. How can he be his brother? <laughs> All right. Let's stop. John, Ephesians. Ephesians. Give me your Bible, please. Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 3. Hold on to Revelations. Ephesians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. 
Luke chapter 3. Yeah. Are you there? Read for me verse number 9, please. Ephesians 3 verse 9. 3 verse 9. Read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, which from the beginning was hidden? It's talking about a mystery which was hidden in God. Who from? Who, who did what? God. Notice, notice. God who created all things. Yeah? All, all things. All things meaning including who? Satan. Was created through Jesus. How can they be brothers? Right? So this, this totally excludes the fact that Jesus is what? Is what? Is created. And what is throwing us off is that word beginning. Is what's throwing us off because the translators puts it, puts the text as though that refers to time. But it is not a referral to time, but a referral to position. Beginning is the Greek word ache, which means principality, or which means first, or which means the prince. So that translation should have read the prince of God's creation, or the captain of God's creation, or, oh Lord Jesus. You see that? Because that word ache, ache is the same word used for accord, principality, in Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 6, in Ephesians chapter 2. So it can be a referral to time. Now you agree. Now you see it. Because Jesus is God. And for us to say God is created, then we need to now question his God, his God title. Can you see that? But what is throwing us off there is beginning. The beginning of the creation of God. No, not the beginning. The principality of God's creation. The Bible calls him the head over every principality and authority. Gotta know who Jesus is. Hey, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. So, so what, what did revelations just do to that word beginning okay in john chapter one it it forces us to review whether or not what was written there should have been what they said it was notice the bible was written translated the english versions of the Bible was translated by men who don't have the holy ghost so bible is a big business Bible, Bible, Bible is a the Bible is a big business, so we must remember that. That's one. Look, look at, look at, look at the NIV translation. One of the most rotten translation there is. They they literally omit and remove certain scriptures from the Bible. They. The NIV has made it seem like God 
is praying uh, sodomites. Read the Bible. Read NIV. I'm, f- I'm very familiar with Bible translations. You, do you know, do you know the NIV omitted the scripture that speaks about Christmas? And that speaks about the, 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 the cutting of trees for idol worship. No, let me just show you. Jeremiah chapter 10. No, let me just show you. Read, let's read. Let's read 3, 4, and 5 in your translation. NKJV, what, what? Let's read it, please. Chapter 10, Jeremiah. For the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from a forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. You see, what they were doing here, what they were doing here, it was not just a, the, the, the custom of cutting down trees. The tree was actually the idol. They cut down the tree. They decorated with silver and they now now you can't say, "Whoa, it's a coincidence." No, nothing is a coincidence. Are you stupid? What other tree do you know that is being cut down every single year and they decorate it with silver and gold? You can't say it's a coincidence. It's there. And the Bible says the Lord is saying this thing. The Lord is saying this thing. So it's, it's a practice that was done before Jesus Christ. Oh, the school me. Let me talk to you. This thing was practiced way before Jesus Christ. Now in Jeremiah, this was about 400 to 500, if not 600 years BC. They were practicing the custom of cutting down trees. Christmas, you are chopping down trees and saying, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. But you're chopping down trees. A perpetuation of a custom that was done before the birth of the one you say you are celebrating on that day. I Bazalwan. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. Why was Tammuz born on the 25th of December? You know who Tammuz was? Semiramis son. Semiramis and Nimrod son. Why was Buddha born on the 25th? Krishna born on the 25th? The God of Cyrus born on the 25th? Let's read. I want to show you the NIV. They decorate with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree and they cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them for they cannot do evil nor can they do good. That's the Lord. Now, listen to NIV. Are you there? Yeah? Are you there? (laughs) For the practices of the people are worthless. They... They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter. Then listen to this. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. 
A scarecrow. A scarecrow. How in the world did they go from palm tree to scarecrow? Scarecrow. Palm tree. Scarecrow. <laughs> Why are they doing that? To shift your, to divulge your attention. You see, they didn't change everything. Listen, a lie is not opposite of the truth. A lie is perversion of the truth. Like, like what we just read in Revelation. To some degree, that's perverted truth. Because it twists everything. It makes it look like Jesus is created. You, you know that guy, right? Remember that guy who's dead? Remember him? He read the scripture and said, Oh, Jesus and Satan must be equal. And he started a whole doctrine out of that. Jesus, Satan, Michael, they are brothers. Why? Because Jesus is created. Because Jesus himself said, I am the beginning of God's creation. You are reading it in English. You didn't read it in Greek. In its original text form. You flow? Let's go to Genesis 1. I mean, not Genesis, John, John, John. Genesis will go back. So we're trying to find out something, right? So in the beginning, we can, we can now safely say that they are wrong, right? That it is not a proposition of time, but of rank, of position, of title. So we can't say in the beginning now, because it will continue to throw us off. Angir, so what must we do now? We must look at the entire text and then switch up things. You ready? So in the beginning, put the arcade. Are you there? You there? Sharp. Now let's translate it. So, in the beginning means, there's no, in, if, if you look at the the, 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 there's no in the beginning. Is beginning. Is beginning. So beginning was the word. Now, the word was there is imai. It's E-I-M-I. So, you know what imai means? Imai means to exist. It means to happen to be. You understand? It means to be. Follow. So, logos. So, it's ake, imai, and logos. That's the Greek form. Right? Ake has no reference to time but to rank. Alright? So, let's substitute beginning for... Because there are different wording that we are given. Right? So let's substitute beginning for chief because that's what it means. So, or the chief. Right? The chief imai, which means to exist, existed because it's in the past tense, existed as logos. Right? Or we can leave it and say the chief was the word 
or the principality was the word or we can say the captain was the word you follow oh okay wait oh the principality the chief the captain the first in rank hey what's happening here what's happening here he's not telling us about the time in which the word existed do you understand he's telling us about what the position of the word in the godhead that is the whole story of john not the time in which the word was no but the position or the rank of the word in the godhead you follow me so he says the captain the chief the principality was the word mm. Mm. What? Are you following me or must I stop? Okay. So, the, the, the chief or the magistrate or the power. Can you see those synonyms? How, how in the world could they refer to time? Because there are more synonyms that attribute position than they are attributing time. And, and oh, you can say, oh, 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 Pastor, I think you're getting out of hand now. You're trying to change the Bible. Yes, I'm trying to change how it was translated. <laughs> And what you really need to look at is that does this translation actually put Jesus lower or much higher than what they are saying? Because remember, the Spirit's job is to glorify. That's how you can test whether or not this thing is by the Spirit. It is whether or not it glorifies Jesus beyond what is already been written. If it glorifies Jesus, then it's the Spirit. Because it's not lowering him. No, it's not lowering him. It's actually glorifying him even more. Now, the chief or the magistrate or the ruler or... <laughs> Can you see that? Can you see that? Was the word, right? The logos and the logos remember imai was with god so we can change that right we can change that because imai allows us to change it because was is a lower form of defining imai existed is a stronger form or happened to be so we can say and the word happened to be with god or existed with God. Right? Right? And the word happened to be God. So you can leave it as it is, or you can make it stronger. And saying the word actually happened to be God is making it stronger. Because what it's saying here, it's saying to you and me, because the word God there means Theos. Right? 
Theos is the divine ruler, the divine one. Right? So he's saying to me and you that the living expression or the logos that was with God, right? And was God, was actually the captain of the Godhead. So he's saying the word actually captains the Godhead. Do you understand that? The word is the first in the Godhead. Why is the word first in the Godhead? Because the word is the greatest expression of God. Not spirit, the word. That's why the TPT says the living expression was God. So God's greatest expression of himself was the word. And it doesn't matter when. Because here we are talking in matters of eternity. Are you following me? So the word, the logos, the expression of God is God and is actually the captain. He is, he is the one that captains the Godhead. Hmm. Does, does that agree with the entire scope or with the entire revelation of God's word? Absolutely. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Where, where, where must we go? Psalm. Psalm. The book of Psalm 1, 3. <laughs> 1, 3, 8. The book of Psalm 1, 3, 8, verse 2. The book of Psalm 138, verse 2. We there? I will worship toward you and praise your name for your loving kindness and your... Then read that part. Mm, 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 mm. Put, put, away, put away magnified there, right? Put the word greater. You have, you have made your word greater than your... Or you can even put magnified, it's, it's fine. But you have made your word greater than all your. Read it as it is there. No, as it is there, as it is there. You have made it magnified, read it, everybody. So Psalm 138, verse 2, please. You have what? What did God do? He has, he has made his name greater than all his names. You see that? You have made your word greater than all your names. What is God saying? He, he, has, he has honored his word, glorified his word above his reputation because the word names there is used as reputation so god has made his word greater as his reputation and what other reputation is greater than who god is because the bible tells us when he could swear by none other greater than himself he swore by himself and made an oath by himself because there was none other no there was no greater one to make an oath by he looked to himself because there was none other greater than God. 
accept his word. Pastor, you didn't just say that his word is greater than him. Yea, I said so. The Bible said so. What is your reputation? Your, rep your, your reputation is a representation of who you are. It's you. And God says, I've made my word greater than my reputation. And it agrees with what John actually was saying. That the captain of the Godhead was the word. Now tell me, alright, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What is the moral of the story there? Tell me, if, if, if it is as it was written, what does the spirit want you to get out of that? And what will you get out of that? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word, what are you getting there? Oh, God was with God. The word was with God and the word was God in the beginning. So now in the last, where is the word's rank? See, there's a way you have to read your Bible. There's a way you have to look at your Bible. And it's always by the help of the Spirit. Because you read that, it's not, it's not, it doesn't make sense. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was... Why are you trying to tell me, John? You're confusing me. But, okay, the beginning is the thing that throws everything off. Just like it threw everything off in Revelation. But now you realize, hey, the Word is the principality. Notice, the Bible says this. The Bible says, It had pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell, body. God is in Jesus. Now, God... The Bible says, He has committed to the Son all dominion. God is not ruling anything. When He said, Sit at my right hand, He has universal power. Do you know in, in, in Romans, listen, 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 the death of Jesus made Jesus' position in the Godhead higher than any other person in the Godhead. Let this mind be in you which was also in Jesus Christ. Who, let me read it to you. You know what it says? You know what it, oh, let me read it to you, let me read it to you, let me read it to you. Philippians 2 again. Philippians chapter number 2. <laughs> Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he what? He humbled himself. Alright? He abased and became obedient to the point of death, even to death. Right? And God has also what? Uh, read, read it. And God has... Now that's one word, highly exalted. Highly exalted, it means to elevate to the extremities of power. To elevate to the highest rank achievable. So here's the question, what is the highest rank attainable in the universe? Is that of God? Is there any other rank higher than God's? Now the Bible says that God highly exalted Jesus to that rank. So in God's power structure, is Jesus first above everything? 
Read it. Exalted him and given him a name. That name is a representation of that position that he holds. So Jesus is in the extremities of authority. He's in the extremities of power. God doesn't rule apart from Jesus. He rules through him. And we know who Jesus is. Okay? He's the word made. He's the word made. He's the word made that inherited the name Jesus. Correct? He is the word made flesh. So in the power structures of the Godhead, the captain, the one who leads the way is the word. I wanted to sink in. Why do you think when Jesus died, there was no word from God in heaven for three days? For three days there was silence in heaven. How do you know, Pastor, that there was silence? Jesus said it. Hello, 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 Master Bhaktana. Why have you left me? Here, stop hearing God. Because God. Ah, alright, alright, alright. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who had sundry times spoken in diverse manners unto our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by who? So if Jesus is mute, God is mute. Has spoken to us by who? By his son. Jesus Christ. So God speaks by Jesus. Okay. Genesis chapter 1. You got it. You got it. You don't have to have 100%. You got it. Verse 1. Let's go. Let's go. There's in the beginning again. So, do you think it requires review? Does it? This one is strange, right? It's the same, but it's strange. Because this refers to first in time, in space, in ranking. So, it is more... Um, it is more accommodative. Alright? It is more accommodative. So, you can say in the beginning as reference to time. Alright? Or you can say at first. Alright? But what throws, what begins to now gives a lot of confusion is the fact that that word there 
actually means first fruit. <laughs> it actually means first fruit. Now, what first fruit, we, real, we know what first fruit is, right? Is the first and the best. Right? That's what first fruit is, the first and the best. So, from, from that definition, we can deduce something. That the first thing that God did, which was also the best thing He ever did, was to create. So, God delights himself by creating. Do you understand? It, it, it almost suggests an enjoyment in an activity. That he, he creates for his pleasure. Okay. Revelations. 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 Amen. Revelations chapter number four. Ne? Revelation chapter four. Bless the Lord. Bless, bless, bless the Lord. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, verse 11. So these are the four living creatures, the 24 elders. They are bowing down and all that, right? Verse 11 says, Thou art worthy. These guys were men, huh? You, you, okay. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created and for your pleasure they are and were created. It says, you have created all things. And for your pleasure. Oh, God creates to pleasure himself. Elohim now creates to pleasure him. He finds enjoyment in creating. He finds, oh God almighty. So you ask, why did God create the trees? He was for his pleasure. Why did God create the sun? For his pleasure. Why did God create the heavens for his pleasure? Why did God create the waters for his pleasure? There's no other reason. There's no other reason. The only reason for creation God has in creating any other thing than for his pleasure was man. He didn't create man for his pleasure. <laughs> he did not create man 
man does not exist for God's pleasure. Amen. What did he create? He created you for warfare. You were born as a delegate of heaven, of enforcing the authority of God over creation. He created everything for his pleasure. When he looks at the trees, he smiles. When he looks at you, he commands. He requires something back from you. Peace subdue. Have dominion. There's no rest for men. <laughs> it's fine. Let's leave that out. But I wanted to show you that the heavens and the earth were created for his pleasure. So it's almost as though God was enjoying what he was doing. Let's go. Genesis. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So we touched on Elohim, right? And we said in the in the in the in the power structures of the Godhead, the Father is number one. Right? In the functional structure of the Godhead. The, the word leads the pack. Alright? Okay. Let's prove it, Pastor. Jesus said something. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The one who was dead now am alive forever. The Almighty. Jesus said it. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And the alpha in what position? Alpha in what in function? Jesus knows. Jesus knows. You see, when, when we look at when we look at when we look at the okay, why didn't the father come down? There's Elohim again. There's God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Why didn't the Father come down? Why word? Why must word come down? It's strange, right? The God who loved the world and sent his only begotten son to die for the world that he was the son. Why didn't father come down? That's a question. Why didn't father come? Why did father send son? So the son represents father, correct? Oh, all right. If the son represents father, that means son always goes ahead of father. And the father or the son does the bidding of the father. Agreed? Agreed? So in terms of functional authority, who has more authority? 
the son. The son because he's the one doing the job. Do you understand? He's the one doing the job. So in the functional structures of Elohim, number one is the word. Number one is the word. Because it is he, he has the blueprints for everything. Remember, he created all things through the word. Oh, we didn't finish reading John. Let's go back to John. What are we trying to find out here? How God produces, how God creates. And why he always uses his word. God uses nothing else. Do, do, you, do you realize? God uses nothing else except his word to create or to make. You, you know what it is to make, right? Right? Yeah? To make, to make is to make, is to produce out of already existing material. Like instance, Eve. You get that, right? God took a rib and from there he made a... You get it? You get it, right? You, man was not made for woman. Woman was made for a man. Even though all men come through a woman. Do you understand that? A man was not made for a woman. Okay, let me put it this way. A man does not exist for a woman a woman exists for a man even though the man existed through the woman now I'll not serve a, I'll not serve a man who doesn't live for me The Bible is clear. Women did not come first, but men. That's what the Bible says. The men came first, women came last. Do you understand? Yes. And men need, listen, the reason why. The, oh Lord, oh, let's leave it. Let's leave it because we'll mess, we'll, me, we'll mess up a lot of women's minds. Here. We'll mess with a lot of women's minds here. So let's just leave it. Functionally, functionally, the woman is stronger than the man. Operationally, who needs the help? So who's weaker? We can't say the woman. God didn't send help to the woman. He sent help to the man by creating a woman for the man. So who is weaker? 
the wicked one always asks for help. The Holy Spirit is the helper, right? Who is stronger between you and the Holy Spirit? Because he's the one that gives the help. So operationally, women are stronger than men. I know what you're going to quote. Weaker vessels. Yes, weaker vessels, structurally. Structurally, the woman is weaker. Baba never said the woman is weaker mentally. That's why all the wealth of a man is in a woman. If a man wants wealth from God, he must learn how to unlock it in a woman. In the Bible, when the Bible talks about wisdom in Proverbs, what does the Bible use for, to describe women? A he or a she? And who's crying out to help men in the, in the city gates? A she. Who's calling out for men? To men. The folly ones. The simple ones. Who is it? But then again, a woman has no eyes without a man. A woman has no brains without a man. A man provides the brains of the household. A woman is the one that takes the brains and formulates it with the hands. Now, if both of you, you are. <laughs> See, there are ways in the spirit to buy favor. And one of the ways is to find a wife. The Bible says, he that finds a wife obtains faith. See, there are favors that are only, can only be unlocked through marriage. Through finding a wife, through finding a husband. But it's the husband that finds. How we got here, I don't know. But we got here. How we got here, I, I don't know. Listen, you are a custodian of grace, woman. You must know it. Was it, was it, after, was it after Paul spoke to the man or to the woman that he made references to your prayers being blocked? In First Peter, was it after he spoke to the man or the woman? Uh -uh. Because it says both of you are partakers of the grace of life. You know where's that grace inside here? And that's why he says, stay away from prostitute. He said, her doors leads to death. I mean, to death and hell. And listen, listen, listen. Prostitutes are not just those you see on the streets there. Prostitutes are not there, are those you see on the streets. There are prostitutes in the church. 
The Bible says, it says the woman, the woman must close her system until the chosen one is what comes to break that system. Well, your sister in Fuzama, DJ. Why? You're a prostitute. You're a harlot. You're a harlot. Even men, harlots. It says their pathway leads to. If you ever cheat on your woman, you are as close to hell as a dead man is. I hope there are no cheaters here. <laughs> but if I'm talking to you, repent. Then you, she will, you, you will only end up in hell and much pain in life. I don't know how we got here. We got here. I don't know. Where were we going again? John. We didn't finish reading John. See, on the way we got to some things. We were going to John and all these things came up. How many times must they pay for you? I'm talking about prostitution. How many times must they pay for you? You receive payment once, twice, three times. Why is the payment king? Go for dinner, go for or regular biriri. Oh, Judah. Any, 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 any person, any person who says they love you, they must prove it. And you don't prove by buying you sweets and chocolates. You prove by making a commitment. A com Listen, marriage is not about love. Marriage is about commitment. I love you, baby. I love you. Just this one last time, baby. Come on, baby. Why is it we're going to spend the rest of our lives together? You, go guy, off it is. Harati wo yuza. Harati wo yuza. And I'm saying this to you by the Spirit. Wo yuza. If thou rata kameka alau nyeti, and kameka lelo and I'll stop you, Lord, baby, let's not do this thing. So la yuzan for what your carnal passions that will last her three minutes. If he's going to prove that he loves you, must marry you, marry you before he sees all of you. So more now some this or some little appear now some asa katera. What we eat status. Status go by them sadi, go by them monna. Kiss on a status, single boyfriend. 
Because boyfriend ya chenchiwa. So, so. Today or rather than leo, today or rather than leo. Ka marriage ona option eo. Ke so ona status a bophelo heseo. Ba bona ke bua le sotho natibya. The spirit. Is a spirit. I can't talk like I can't talk like this. Is a spirit. And I switch. I don't know how I went from English to Sotho. Keep yourself. Be chaste. Keep yourself. Love yourself. Out there, out. You don't love yourself when you undress for every Tom, Dick, and head everywhere. You don't love yourself. Tirate. Love yourself. Are you listening to me? Love yourself. Are Ricky Bonanya nuri aenja shatas body. Hambo koko tas body. It's a crime in God's kingdom, in the spirit, to sexually be involved with someone before you marry them. It's a crime. It may not be a law in society, but it's a crime with God. And you will pay the wages of sin. Somewhere along the line, <laughs> you will eat the consequence. And why is it excuse you again? No, Mudimur feel the feelings most. Yeah, Uru enjoy calling alone. How prove Uru? How prove his or her commitment to you? It's tough this thing, Jesus. Date night. Date night for what? For you are expanding yourself. You are wasting yourself. No, we are still young. So it's rather enjoyable peak. And then the diagram, Mr. Right. Angamurata wana hao, marasmu wana hao, lena hao. Marasmu wana hao. And halilu always, so to tlaba kayo. So to tlaba, so fita na ako. Angamurata wana hao, so tlaba throughout, marawan deo to tlaba. And you see, the reason why these children make mistakes is because you parents, you parents, you parents, you don't want them. So they make mistakes that affect them the rest of their lives because you don't sit them down when it's time and warn them about the risks. There is more emotional damage that comes out of premarital sexual uh, activity than any other thing.
حبيبي عبربوني بص عبربوني هاونا جارنتي هوري هاليا توهان عليكوا عليكوا هابيتو مونغو بيني واي هاونا كوميتمنت if you say you love really love someone you really want to be with them stop wasting their lives Stop wasting their bodies. Stop wasting their minds. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Please, ne? Please, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Because what do you want And what do promise? What do you promise? What do you promise? The yellow barrel. Mshaba. Baby, we're gonna spend the rest and ten years it of it. Let's spend the rest of your lives together. Wow spend. And hala pilekawana because there are no commitment, no ties, the law is not even protecting you. Ototamai. Ten years ago you wasted a limit. Whereas you could have been married. Building a life, you wasted 10 years of your life. Mentally, you are messed up in so many ways, so many dimensions. You are messed up. Low self-esteem, you don't even see yourself now. As you are just messed up 10 years. I'm going to spend the rest of your life. Ah, I don't want to spend the rest of my life on Renyale. Are you home affairs with Renyale? Only the day where I'm done with you, you cannot hear Zahao, you cannot hear. So what am I? What am I, Alice? When you are left, what take a take? And not take a take. I'm a pillow baby boy. And not home over. Not home over gold deep. I'm telling you, young folks. Gotta wake up. Motosa nyala nga change akabushi and ugasi miri next. Linda ka wota. I love you. Woo woo. Mara motonya rileg. Linda linda posa na kama bikiri la posa na awa chaba wa yakukai kai. Otobu wa. Why? Onyezi. Otobu wa. No way out. Kilapi ye kilapi. Otola pa wala poloha. Wataba wataboloha. Wataboloha hapa wataba. Why unyeti? Lord, let's let's get out of this thing. <laughs> Lord, let's get out, let's get out of this thing, Lord. John, John, John. 
Hello, John. I'm going to break up 20 different times. Nyalangu. I'm not going I exist. The concept of. No, let's move. Breaking up. Breaking up. Break. What, what the hell? That's the beauty of marriage. You're in a cage. You're not just in a ring. You're in a cage. You're in a ring. thrown out that's what makes marriage with all these complications the most beautiful most protective most guaranteed listen in marriage you are protected by law by God by life cheat on your wife for cheating on me. We provide proof the court will help you. Cheat on your girlfriend. Go cheat on your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Let's see who will help you. Your friends. <laughs> Be wise in life, okay? Be wise. Mutaronya, okay, fine. Or or runna runna how many years till or wants us some commitment? No, pay two years, three years. Okay, two years, three years. Sharp. If you have it, Asaira next. You end it. Don't hold on to love. There are seven billion people on earth. John 1 1. <laughs> 7 billion people on earth. And you better grab yours before Bill Gates halves that number. Praise the Lord. So we said, yeah, verse 2. We read verse 1, right? Verse 2. He was in the beginning with. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. You see it. You see it? That functionally, the word is the head, the captain. Because nothing without him was made. Nothing. Anything makeable. Anything makeable. Anything created. Did not happen without the word. You see that? Everything was done not by him, through him. You see that? Through Dia. So he was the channel through which everything came out. Everything came, everything was approved by the word. So the word gave us stamp on approval over creation. But what I want you to notice, what I want you to see in Genesis chapter 1, 1, is this thing. Is this thing. That God created both spiritual and physical environments. Spirit. 
both the spirit and the physical came out of God. You understand that? And it came out not only out of God, but out of the word of God. So spiritual we can understand, yeah, because it's spirit to spirit. But now spirit produced physical, telling us that there are physical components or physical materials in every word God speaks. You, you, you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We, we know the word as being spirit, right? We know the word as being spirit. But spirit created, fashioned the material. So what we regard as natural as physical, the ecology of nature that came to be was as a result of the logos, the word of God. So the word being, being God, being spirit, created that which is physical. So the identity of the physical comes from the spiritual. Are you following me? The identity of that which is physical comes from the spiritual. So the word of God births the physical. So that immediately gives us a new concept, an idea to think with regards to God's word. So when God speaks, a man does not have to concern himself with the arrangement in the physical because whatever God said came within itself all the physical components necessary to bring that word to pass. So even though that, even though they would be non-existent material of that particular thing that God said in the physical, it will still come to pass irrespective of its existence or non-existent because within what God says is also the physical component to make it come to pass. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. The word is genomai. It means I will generate it for you. So the word is able to generate Things that do not exist in your life. By what? By only the vocalization or the speaking forth of God's word. Must I concern myself by how the bridge is going to contour for me to cross over? No, you don't even need a bridge. You have the word. So the bridge doesn't have to be present, doesn't have to be in existence for you to cross. In the word is the bridge structure to allow you to cross over. Peter, come, walk on water. Peter walked on water without any sustenance. There was no parachute. There was no life jacket. But Peter walked. He didn't float. He walked on water. Why? Because Jesus said, come. So in that word was in the components to change the viscosity and the weight of Peter to make him weightlessness in the presence of water. Everything can float in water. The eggs floated in water. Anything can float in water if you know how to manipulate or adjust 
yourself. Even, even you can float in water. If you know how to adjust. If you know how to breathe rightly. But this is beyond floating. This is walking. What constituted that? The word. Come. 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 After toiling all night. All night they toiled. All night they were casting their nets. And Jesus asked them, Did you have anything to catch? They said, No. No. He said, Cast now your nets and have the catch of your life. But Peter said, Lord, we have toiled all night. Jesus said, from where you have toiled and received nothing, cast now, because I have spoken. And when they cast out their nets, they caught the fish of their lives. Why? The word had come. Where did the fish come from? Because they were toiling all night. In one minute, they had more fish than they could ever dream of. What happened? What happened? The word. The word came. What brought the fish was the word. It was not whether or not the fish was there. No, the word brought it forth. So when we study the creation process of Elohim, we notice one, one overarching fact is that the word is instrumental to everything God does. Light cannot come until God calls it forth. The earth cannot come forth until God calls it forth. The word is instrumental. The word is the raw material by which God creates, by which God makes, by which God aligns, by which God fixes, by which God repairs. So a man who has received from God his word does not need to look to any external source, any external influence, any external component to be assured of what God has said coming to pass. Because in what God said, the very thing that created all external components is in the word. So everything must of necessity respond to its creator. Moses speak to the rock. The rock will respond to Moses. Moses strike the rock. The rock will respond to Moses. Moses stretch forth your hand. The rock will respond to Moses. Why? Because Moses is an extension of God. Is an extension of his word. And every time creation is confronted with the substance of its creation. It will respond. It will bow. Because the source code is embedded within creation. So if God says, I will do it for you, your mind should never go to what must happen for God to do it for me. Your mind must stay on God. You will do it for me. How? It does not bother me. It's not my problem. You will do it for me. And that word, he sends it out, will not return void. It will always return with cheese in its hand there is no failure in the word of god my brothers and my sisters the only time the word fails in our lives is if we don't is when we don't buy in to what the word is trying to bring us to if you have god's word you have everything you have both the material and you have both the substance So what a man needs to concern himself is not on how the word of Elohim operates, but is what Elohim said. 
He must buy in to what God said. There is a, there is a, oh my God, there is, my brothers and my sisters, there is an element of buying in. You must buy into this thing. You must be convinced. No investor invests in something unless they are convinced that they will have return in it. So our problem is that we have not yet bought into God's word. We have not yet bought in enough to invest in God's word. Because we do not understand the patience of hope that the word demands from us. He said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. It took him more than 25 years to realize even the first fruit of that promise. He had made Moses the deliverer of Israel, but it took him 40 years to realize that experience. He made Jesus the savior of the world and it took him 30 years. 30 years of relating with God's word. 30 years of familiarizing himself with his voice. 30 years of patience. 30 years of preparation. What will you, what will you give? What will it take for us to be convinced Of the integrity of his word. This is the word of him who said I will die. But three days later I will rise from the dead. This is the word of him who says I am going back to where I come from. And you will see me no more. But I will not leave you orphans. I will come back to you. Ababa says he upholds all things. The celestial order, the physical order, the terrestrial orders upheld by the word of his power. All things, all things, all things, all things are sustained by that word. He speaks and it is done. Why is the testimony of God's word so resembled in creation and not in humanity? Because we stagger at his word. We stagger at his promises. All the potentials of your life are hidden in that word. All of your capabilities, of your intelligence, of your power. You see, when you come to God, you may not be intelligent. But if you will stay with him, the intelligence you will have is greater than all the teachers in the world. Why? Because God does not command you to be intelligent when you come. He calls the simple ones, mind you me. He calls the sick ones, mind you me. But when they come to him, they come back home. Why? The word. The word. The word and why was the word unable to change Peter unable to change the apostles in the presence of Jesus is because the spirit was not in them only after the spirit came was the word as 
powerful as ever more powerful than in the life of jesus christ because it is the spirit that quickened it it is the spirit that gives life jesus words without the spirit have no life so you may hear from god but the spirit must saturate the world my brothers and my sisters god has given us everything we need to become great in this world we must learn to apply ourselves to god apply ourselves apply ourselves to god sometimes we apply our minds but our spirits and bodies are far Sometimes we apply our spirits, but our minds and our bodies are far. We must learn to apply ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. If we're going to eat from the fruit, if we're going to, pass, to be partakers of the blessing, of the reward of God's word, there must be the application of self. You may go in looking like a fool, but God forbid if you come out like one. Follow me. We must learn, my brothers and my sisters. We must learn. We, we must learn with every single thing we can. If we can grasp the necessity of holding on to God's word. My brothers and my sisters, if we can grasp, if we can grasp that reality, there is nothing in this world that will be too good for us. If we learn how to appreciate the declaratory decrees of God, there is nothing in this world that will be too good for us, that can stand against us, that will overpower us, that will overcome us because we have the word of a king. The Bible says there is in the word of a king and who can deny when the king speaks words made a man like Isaac shrivel like a leaf when he found out that he had spoken blessings to the wrong man the Bible says he shook for death and said I have given it to him all that's left for you the only blessing i can give you is that you will save your brother words change the trajectory of a race cursed is canaan for he shall be a servant of servants he shall serve him and he shall serve japheth an entire race trajectory destiny was changed because a man spoke God will deliver to you the world if you know how to receive his word. The word is the material. The word is the material. God doesn't create using the elemental components of this world god creates by his word his word is the source code his word is the material his word is the substance any poor man who will hold his word in high regard
God can never stay poor for long. Any sick man that upholds and shows forth the word of life can never be sick for long. You don't go and unify yourself with the word and remain the same way you came into that union. The word of God is pure, converting the soul. The commandments of God are right, straightening the paths. We have at our disposal not only God's logos, but the privilege of His voice through His Spirit, both in our spirits, both through servants of God. We are not permitted to fail. Not when there's so much investment. We are not permitted. And there's a reason why I said to you, you are not created for God's pleasure, but for warfare. It's because one of the things you must learn to do in this world in order for God's word in your life to materialize, in order for God's agenda for your life to materialize, is to learn to fight. Is to learn to fight and fight with the word. Fight with the word. The word is the sword. The word is the sword. My brother, the word is the sword. If you're going to win battles in your life, the word must be very instrumental. The word is the sword. The Bible says taking up the sword, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema word of God, which is the word of God. Not your prayers, not your words, not your thinkings, not your opinions, not your suggestions, not your feelings. The sword is the word. You speak the word, you release the sword. Strongholds have remained unmoved in our lives because we have not released the sword. The stomach has been closed, made blunt. But the sharpness of the spirit, the sharpness of the stomach must return. That's why meditation is so important because it's like sharpening your sword. Just which is the sword of the spirit? The sword, not your sword. I like what classical amplified says. He said, the sword which the spirit yields. And when you talk about the Spirit, you're not only talking about the Holy Spirit. You are classifying the race of Spirit. You're talking about the angels of God that are under the Spirit. It says you release the Word. You release the sword. You speak the Word. You release the sword. Your greatest honor as a Christian is the ability to speak out what God said. Huh. It's a sword of the Spirit. 
what is intimidating your life today what is threatening your future today the sword of the the weapon of the spirit is the solution the weapon of the spirit is the solution the weapon of the spirit is the solution Listen to me, Papa. If you don't learn to speak with your mouth God's voice, the forces of darkness that threaten our lives will never stop, will never yield in their pursuit of bringing destruction to our lives. The only time and the only way we can stop Plans, the strategy, the wiles, the tricks, the deceit of the wicked. It's when we learn to release the sword of the spirit. He says, Rema is sword. Rema is the word that is not written, but the word that is spoken. You see, logos, logos switches from logos to Rema once it finds escape. Through lips of faith. Is the word the spirit quickens. One of the things we need. Is what they prayed for. They prayed for boldness. And the Bible says they were filled by the spirit. And they speak the word of God with boldness. We are not bold enough. We are not bold enough to speak the word of God. To speak what God has said. We are not bold enough. Boldness to speak. May God give it to you. May God give it to you. Boldness to speak. Boldness to speak. Boldness to utter out what God has said. For if the strongholds of our lives will fall down flat, if the Jericho walls of our lives will fall down flat, we must have the boldness to speak. God said it that we may boldly say. Remember what God said. Remember what God said to you. Remember it. Remember it. Remember it. In your moments of despair, remember what God said. In your moments of confusion, remember what God said. Sometimes remembering what God said is the sanity that can come back to your mind.
We are complaining about losing the battles of life, yet our closet is full of weapons. We are crying day in and day out to God about what's working and what's not working, what's failing in our lives, yet our own closet is full of the weapons that can guarantee our desires. There's all rise on our feet. Move this from me. You're going to compose yourself. We're going to pray now. You're going to compose yourself.